All right, today on the podcast, um, we have a former student of mine and um, the children's pastor at Calvary Church in Temecula, California. Justin Chang, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm so, so glad to have you on, and um, I'm so, so proud of you. I'm so, so thankful for you. You've been, um, you know, you've been somebody that has encouraged me um, throughout the years, um, just to see your faith and your dedication with the Lord. And so, thanks for coming on, brother. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, I appreciate this opportunity, and um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, come on. So there's um, a couple things that I really wanted to talk to you about to bring you on, um, but Justin, you are, I think, an example um, of someone that I watched throughout your college years, um, and you did you did very well with God, okay? It doesn't mean you did perfectly. None of us did do perfectly, but as right. a whole, you really um, thrived during your college years in your walk with the Lord, and um, that's... That's not an easy accomplishment these days, man. That's pretty tough. Like, um, you know, just as somebody who has pastored young adults for you know, almost 20 years, um, I could tell you that um, for lots of Christians, that high school, college period is one where so many fall away from the faith or yeah. they, you know, they walk away or anything like that. But um, there are some people that really thrive in those years, you know, and I feel like I was one of those people that really thrived in my walk with God. And you were one of those people. So the the purpose of today's episode is I want to help people who are in this phase of their life, whether it be high school, college, they're saying, okay, how can I thrive in my walk with God? So Justin, I just want to open it up to you. What do you feel like was one or two of the main reasons why you continue to grow with the Lord during your college years? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think first off, it's a very important topic to talk about. And, um, and I'm really humbled to, to, to talk about this. Um, but I think, yeah, what the Lord showed me, um, you know, through various leaders and, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's just the first thing is just, you know, I was, um, you know, just unapologetically determined to prioritize my intimacy and my time with God. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and like I was saying earlier, you know, this is kind of one of the most important things that you've taught me, PD, um, and kind of the thing that I value the most um, from our time together. And, yeah, it's just to get alone with God uh, daily, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's oftentimes so many excuses and so many, um, things that come up and reasons and difficulties when it comes to, you know, trying to spend time with God and, um, you know, make that priority. And, um, yeah, but, you know, this is kind of the thing that I've always, you know, to this day that I still check, you know, about myself. Like if I'm, it's like my heart is growing dull or cold or numb, you know, like I don't feel like I'm growing. I ask myself, am I spending genuine time with God? Mm-hmm. And and this is kind of like the, um, where I see has just, it just leads to um, so much burnout or so much, you know, like, yeah, dullness. And um, yeah, you know, when we don't, prioritize that place of intimacy um and yeah this is kind of the thing that 
most people don't want to hear or like, you know, give me some other way, give me some other way to, you know, thrive with God or be on fire for God. But, you know, I just, I think of it like the only way to love God more is to spend time with him. Um, And, you know, whether that's in worship, in prayer, in his word, um, preferably all three of those things. And um, yeah, that's kind of been the number one thing for me. Um, And yeah, it just sounds like a simple answer, but I, yeah, I, I, I can't stress it enough. And I'm sure, yeah, you feel the same way that this is the thing that um, will really like make or break you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So a couple questions as follow up. Do you feel like, um, number one, well, why don't you tell me what is, like, what do your quiet times normally look like? Like, do you normally, like, pray? Like, give a little bit of flesh to that. Like, um, because, you know, different people commune with God in different ways. Like, for me, for most of my life, it was primarily worship. Like, if I worshiped, then I would feel like I'd really connect with God on a heart level. And if I didn't, then I wouldn't feel that way, you know, like I might study scripture or something like that. Um, but I didn't really feel a sense of really intimate connection with him unless I got a, a sizable time in worship. But as I grew older, I had some circumstances where it became hard to worship in the ways that I normally did. And so my quiet times really started to um, revolve around scripture study and around prayer. Right, and I didn't have like an, a, a place where I could really just sing loudly, you know, um, to myself. And so, I've seen my the format in which I spend time with God shift over the years. I'm just curious, what's what's kind of your way? What's your your template? Yeah, yeah, good question. I think um, I feel like a lot of people have this question. You know, they're just kind of afraid to ask. You know, like, but yeah, I think. Um, for me, um, I've seen it kind of develop and change a little bit too over the years. Um, kind of the opposite of you, where um, it would, I would kind of just think, okay, prayer and read the word. So I would usually, um, you know, pray a little bit before reading the word, and then you know, um, ask the Holy Spirit to speak and lead me to truth and um, help me understand the word, and then I would read like one to five chapters um and then um i would kind of take notes on it take notes on what i highlighted what i underlined um kind of the way i noticed i i kind of write like my own commentary in a mm-hmm. sense on like the passage that was like god was like highlighting yeah. so i can kind of it's like a way for me to process and kind of regurgitate it in like my own words so that i understand it better um and then um, after that i would usually spend like um like about 30 minutes praying um that's kind of how it first started um and then in prayer i would you know just pray like personally like for me you know like um usually based on what i just read um or just anything i'm struggling with anything i know that i need his grace for um and then i would um you know, intercede for people yeah. um, and intercede for other things and um, things like that. Um, and then what it's kind of developed over maybe the past year or two, year or two. Yeah. Probably the past two years has, has kind of been um, starting with worship. Um, yeah. Just kind of doing worship and prayer 
and then uh, reading the word at some other time in my day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so worship and yeah, getting that good chunk um, to really connect with God. And I think that's really important that you point that out. Like, it's not just about like doing it. It's not just about getting alone. It's not just about removing the distractions, but it's about connecting with God. And, um, and that's, yeah, and I feel like worship has been, um, such a great way, um, or such a helpful way for me to connect with God. So, um, that's how I usually spend my time. I like worship. And then, um, when I feel connected, when I feel like, yeah, connected to God, you know, then, then I start praying, um, kind of, yeah, praying for myself and then interceding for, for, uh, various things. Yeah. But yeah yeah that's great man um do you ever you ever miss a day or was it perfect attendance for four years or five years for you right <laughs> well uh yeah no <laughs> it's not it's not perfect yeah um yeah i think the days um you know sometimes i sometimes i like you know won't read the word um but mostly it's it's the I do I do make it a priority to read the word because um, honestly reading the word doesn't take that long for me mm-hmm. so um, yeah reading the word at least but yeah sometimes like yeah I don't have enough time to pray mm-hmm. um, sometimes like I underestimated like how long everything was gonna take in my day and I didn't leave enough time for God mm-hmm. um, yeah, and that's kind of like important too. Mm-hmm. Like um, that first thing I said, being unapologetically determined to to spend time with the Lord. Um, yeah, is really all about like setting time and thinking of your day, like the next day or even the day after, and um, you know, kind of prepping ahead of time. Like, like, oh, okay, I'm going to spend time with God in this time, yeah. and like. I'm going to allot two hours because if I just try to squeeze it in one hour, like it can be good. God can move. But, um, you know, I think it's um, because I'm not perfect because I get distracted, you know, because, you know, um, I'm going to leave two hours or I'm going to leave like three hours. Um, yeah. And so yeah. Um, being being mindful of that is I think is really important too, yeah. um, just practically speaking. Yeah. It's great, man. Yeah, I just want to encourage people because sometimes people like miss a day and they're like, I failed. You know, it's like a New Year's resolution, right? Where it's like, you know, you get like a fresh heart and a fresh vision for it. You start trying to meet with God. Like you miss a day and you're like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this or something like that, right? But the truth is all of us miss days, right? All of us miss days sometimes. And it's like, look, that happens. You just repent, okay? You just repent and then you get back on just like anything else, right? And Mm -hmm. Um, the, the reason why I say repent, because even though it's not like, you know, I don't know if it's, it's a sin. I don't know if you sinned or something like that, but I'm just saying what I do, right? Like I've been convicted by the Lord. Hey, you did not spend time with me yesterday. And I'll just be like, Lord, I repent. I did not prioritize it. And then I will, I will reaffirm my commitment. Right. And look, I've had to do that. I don't know how many times in my life, like a lot of times in my life. Right. Um, so you don't have to feel super condemned about it, but the, the idea is that, you know, scripture says a righteous man stumbles seven times and he gets back up. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, Justin, one of the principles that I use with spending time with God, like for me, not every quiet time is like I'm breaking into the presence and the glory clouds come and the fog fills the room, right? Not every quiet time is like that, right? I do have quiet times where I just study scripture, I pray into a little bit, you know, and, you know, and I'm done, like 30 minutes, right? Like that's, I've ha- I have quiet times like that. Um, but I will say this, um, if I have just a bunch of those, my my vision, my conviction, my passion will start to diminish. If that's o- the only type of quiet time I'm having for a long period of time, right? For sure. Um, my principle with anything involving the presence of the Lord, you want to break into the presence of the Lord if you can. You know, you don't have to force it. You know, uh, I, this is really big for me as a worship leader. I remember I used to feel like every set I had to bring the presence of the Lord, right? We had to break into the presence. And some people are not familiar with that terminology. I think musicians tend to be a little more sensitive in the spirit. And so we can feel like when the worship set really breaks in or not, you know, and, and what I mean by breaking is, you know, it's a sense that you get in a corporate worship set or a private worship set where you, know, you just really feel the presence of the Lord, right? Your heart is touched by him in, 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 a, in a significant way, right? It's the same thing as like, I don't know, if you go on a date you know, with somebody and, you know, there's bad dates and there's good dates, right? And a bad date is one where it's kind of awkward and you're having an awkward conversation or something like that. And a good date's one where like you have a real heart connection and you're just like, dude, I love, I love this. I, w- I want to be here. You know, like it, I feel like it's the same thing with God, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm always trying to get into the presence with the Lord, right? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's going to happen every time, right? That brought a lot of freedom to me when I realized as a worship leader, I can't force the presence, Right. A lot is actually corporate dynamics. It's not totally up to me as a worship leader. Right. So I've had worship sets where I'm leading and it's like I strum the guitar and boom, the presence breaks in like you just feel, you know, the glory of God. And it's like awesome. And 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 newsflash, that wasn't because I'm so holy. Right. It's you know, the way I put it is like it's the corporate hunger for God. Right. The concentration of hunger for God in the room, generally speaking, is really what draws the presence of the Lord. So if everybody in the room is super hungry, um, then it's relatively easy to break into the presence. If everybody's really spiritually dead and they're apathetic and everything, then it can be really hard to break into the presence. So I simply say this to give some dynamics here of how some of this stuff works. But for me in my quiet times, yeah, there are times where like I've tried to break in the presence of God and it's really difficult and it's really hard. And I've just learned like over the years, like it's okay, I don't have to force it, right? Like I, I try and press in when I have the faith to do it. Um, but if I don't, that's okay, right? If I have a good quiet time. But when I do break into the presence, okay, and this is the principle here, I have a I have a principle, and I call it milk the presence, right? So when you do break into the presence, what you want to try and do is l- let the quiet time run, or let the time with God run long, mm. right? Don't be so time bound, you know, because I understand some of us, like most of us, we go into the quiet time with an expectation of how long this is going to take, right? Mm. Like whether it's going to be thirty minutes or an hour or whatever. Um, what I what I try and do is when the presence comes, I make I try and make time for the presence, right? So if the pre- if I break into the presence, I want to be able to stay in there for as long as I feel like the presence of God is is enabling me. And I know that we're talking with some kind of mystical language that might be unfamiliar for some people. 
And, you know, but, you know, I think all of us have had those experiences. We've had those experiences where you're, you're just in a time of worship and it's been so awesome and you feel like the, the reality of his goodness, right? And you feel like faith, right? Start to really yeah. get into your heart. And those times are so valuable. Those are, those, those times are so valuable. And so I just teach, hey, when you get into those times, try and extend those times. Try and stay there in the presence of God, right? And this is a, a worship lesson, too, for worship leaders, right? If you break in the presence of God on a song, stay on that song, right? Just stay there, right? Just repeat it again. Repeat the chorus again. Tag the chorus with something else in a similar chord progression. What I generally don't want to do is I don't want to end the song and start a brand new song, right? Yeah. And, like, that's, you know... I, I remember I was at, um, you know, I went to a predominantly black church when I was in college. And we, I remember one song, we sang the chorus for like 30 minutes. Like, no joke. Just the same chorus over and over and over and over again. And I'll tell you, the anointing was so strong that entire yeah. time. 30 minutes yeah. on the same chorus, repeating it again and again and again. But the anointing was there, right? And that's, mm. that's, what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about repeating it for the sake of repeating it, right? But when you can sense the anointing is on something, stay on it until the anointing right. lifts. And and I'll just say for me, um, that, you know, that has really helped me in my intimacy with the Lord, just just following that principle. And I'll say, you know, I'll just say this, like for me as a, as a pastor, um, I'm not actively pastoring right now, at, formerly at a church, um, but when I was... Um, my general expectation is I try and spend about two hours with the Lord every day. Okay, that's my general expectation. Okay, and I understand uh, I don't want to put that burden on everybody because a lot of people aren't there, right? And they're mm -hmm. like, two hours? Oh my God, that's like crazy, right? I, I would encourage people who are in ministry, though, to make something like that your goal, right? Because being in the presence of the Lord that's where we get conviction. That's where we get faith. That's where we get, um, you know, all the the anointing that we need to effectively minister comes from that place of prayer or being in the presence of God. And um, I remember, you know, in many seasons of my life, I felt like, you know, I don't even, I don't need to prepare a message. I don't need to prepare a message. I can literally just go up there and just speak from my heart. I can speak for an hour. I can speak for two hours. I could just keep going, <laughs> right? Because there's so much burden in my heart, right? There's so many things I feel burdened about from the heart of the Lord. And you know, um, Justin, when I was, you know, at, at BTM um, in our in our ministry together, there were a number of times where I prepared a message. And by the way, I always recommend preparing. I'm not saying you shouldn't prepare. I'm just saying that at that time in my life, I didn't feel like I needed to prepare, right? There were many times where I prepared a, a long message, but during worship, I just would feel like this burden on something. And I would go up and I would just preach a spontaneous message. I didn't follow my notes. I threw out my notes and I just preached what I felt in my heart. And the reason I say that is because <clears throat> ultimately that's what we want. You know, when people say, hey, what do you want in your pastor? The number one answer is passion right, is, is a burden, right? They want their their leaders, spiritual leaders, to have a conviction about what they're talking about, okay? Right. And um, you get that in, in prayer. You get that in intimacy, right? And I know I'm speaking, you know, from a, a pastoral perspective a lot, right? But this is true for all believers. I, I always say, like, the way we follow God is heart burden in our life. That's the mm -hmm. way we follow him. 
right? A lot of people are like, how do I discern God's will for my life? How do I know if he's calling me to do this or do that? Well, honestly, the answer is heart burden, okay? I'm not saying that's the only thing, okay? We use other things like discernment, like the scriptures and all this kinds of stuff. But I'm saying the primary way, all right, is we get burdened by the Lord through our relationship with him. And those burdens for his kingdom, they lead us, they drive us in our life down the path that the Lord has for us, right? This is why intimacy is so important, right? Because if you neglect intimacy, then you don't have a strong burden on your life, right? And then you're always, and then you're trying to follow the Lord in like a clinical way, right? Well, I think, you know, you know, he wants me to do this. This should seem wise or something like that. But I, I just got to say, you know, from my life, um, I always try and encourage people, no, you want heart burden in your life, right? You want to, mm-hmm. you want to be passionate about the things of the kingdom. I think all of us want that. We just don't know how to get it, right? right. All of us want that. We just don't know how to get it. And the simple answer is you've got to cultivate intimacy with the Lord. You've got to cultivate. That's not something that you could just turn on one day, right? right like, right. like it, it really does. It takes work of disciplining yourself in the presence of the Lord, learning to seek after it on a personal level. And it's not easy to get. Like this is, it's like one of the most valuable things to get. It's just worth it. (laughs) It's just worth it, you know? And, um, you know, Justin, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of you, man. Like, you know, for you in college, because that's, it's, it is a very difficult thing. I always tell people in this generation, this is the most distracted, most tempted generation history from my perspective. Okay. No other generation had to deal with, you know, free pornography in their pockets all the time. Right. No other generation had to deal with like these amazing video games okay like the games we have today are so fun so addictive you could play them online you know it's like no generation had to deal with netflix and disney plus there's like a a thousand movies right all at your fingertips youtube right there's never been this many alternatives to spending time with the lord and that's why I think it is a, a an incredible and notable, commendable thing when people do learn to prioritize him in this context. And, you know, I once heard a pastor put it like this, that, you know, in the Garden of Eden, Adam, you know, um, had, it was, he was living in a perfect, a perfect environment, walking with the Lord day by day, and he chose sin in that context, right? But the bride of Christ, right? The church that the Lord is raising up in the last generation, right? Will be in such an environment of sin, but in all those places will choose intimacy with him over all of those things, right? Yeah. And I think that that's so moving to my heart. And, and I feel like it's moving to God's heart, right? That's why he's looking for worshipers, right? He, Jesus told the woman at the well, the Lord is seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth, right? The eyes of the Lord are searching throughout the earth, seeing whose hearts are wholly devoted to him. A worshiper, I always say this, is the most valuable thing on the planet from God's perspective, right? God is looking for worshipers. And what you're describing here, that's that's a worshiper, brother. You're a worshiper, man. You're somebody who's choosing to, to be intimate with God over all things. And again, to be super clear, none of us do this perfectly, all right? Right. There's always some guy who's spending four hours alone with the Lord every day. Right? Like, like we can get into this legalistic thing where it's like we never measure up, 
you know, yeah. and I just want to encourage people, look, even if your commitment to God is like you spend, you know, I spend 30 minutes with the Lord, but I try and do it consistently. I want to say good for you, right? Yeah. Good for you. Like that is amazing, right? Don't, don't disparage, don't belittle, you know, where you're at with the Lord right now. And, um, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm talking way too much. I'm going to turn it back over to you in just a second here. Okay. That's good. <laughs> but, um, I always tell people, look, the rubric that we should use for whether this season of our life is a success, all right, is do I have a vibrant love for God, right? In this season, is my love for God vibrant, all right? And I did not come up with that. Mike Bickle came up with that. God bless him, right? Like I stole it unshamedly from him because that <laughs> is amazing. That is such a great teaching, right? Like the first commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. So if you yeah. have a vibrant love for the Lord in this season of your life, even if you fail at everything else, right? If you fail at your job, you get fired from your job, you fail your classes, whatever it might be, if you fail at everything else, but you have a vibrant love for the Lord, this season is a success in your life, okay? That's a success. And hopefully you're you're doing other stuff too. But I, I look, I've had seasons where it seemed like I failed everything else, <laughs> but I kept this priority. And I just have this firm yeah. conviction that I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I did that. And and conversely, many people think, oh, I'm I'm succeeding in my career, I'm succeeding in, you know, my tests or whatever, but my love for the Lord is being snuffed out like a candle, right? And I just want to lovingly rebuke you, right? <laughs> lovingly rebuke you and say, hey, no, you've got your priorities all out of whack, okay? Your right. career will pass away, right? Yeah. Your friendships in this life, right, will come and go. But your relationship with the Lord will last forever. And it's the wellspring that leads to all other things, right? It is, you know, if your relationship with God is vibrant, then he will be blessing you in many other areas, some of them that you aren't seen or some of them that are for future seasons, right? Right. But that's, you know, that's it's the best thing, man. And I, I just feel like, man, I just wish the church could get this. And, and Justin, this is why I'm actually so, um, you know, I have such a heart for the house of prayer, okay? And, um, you know, the other thing that I have seen in your life is that you have had um, a commitment to the house of prayer, okay? And um, I, I, would, I would like you to talk about that in a second. Let me set it up a little bit. So you were a leader at Long Beach House of Prayer um, for many years. I don't know. You can tell us exactly how many years. Are you still doing that? Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, yeah, so me and Josh Peck, we, we started the Long Beach House of Prayer. Um, it's been, I've been in it for about, I want to say three and a half years. Mm -hmm. um coming up four years mm -hmm. something like that yeah mm -hmm. um and yeah i'm still in it um right now it's just two of us <laughs> mm -hmm. um but yeah it's um yeah it's been great um and it's been yeah just kind of one of the hardest things honestly mm -hmm. honestly speaking but yeah. i think um yeah there's just been like i can't deny you know that I gave God my yes, um, yeah. you know, to, to, to see his plans, to see his, his will be done. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of, you know, why I've been committed and why I've been just, um, holding fast to, to keep praying and to keep, um, yeah, interceding, even if it's a little at a time, 
um, with my people and just, um, yeah, even if it looks weak, even if it looks small, um, and I, you know, that we can even, you know, uh, compare this to like our quiet times with God, like, you know, they seem weak, they seem small, they seem even short sometimes or insignificant. Um, but, um, there is something that happens, um, you know, when we are, are committed over a, a long period of time, yeah. um, and, you know, and yeah, so yeah, still part of it. And, yeah. uh, yeah. That's great, man. I look every every church in ministry right now is small, <laughs> right? It seems like I know, like I know some some are doing okay, but look, we're you know this COVID thing has like decimated everything. And sure. from my perspective, you know, Lou Engel always says the small is the new big, all right. From my perspective, uh-huh. when I see two you know two people holding firm in prayer for their community, or for, in your case, your school, right, and like. That to me is even more commendable, right? I like that takes real faith. Like it's it takes less faith to lead a prayer meeting that has a consistent twenty thirty people in it than it does to lead a prayer meeting that has two people in it. All right, <laughs> like that's harder to do. Why? Because when you have twenty people, well, you've got all this encouragement, right? It feels like people are doing it with you, and like and then you're leading a, a, a you know you feel. Like you have a, a ministry and you're doing it for people and all this kind of stuff. But when you got two or three people in a prayer meeting, you're not doing it for anybody but the Lord. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like you're doing it for the Lord. And that to me is incredibly commendable. And what I've seen, you know, um, with, with young adults is this. They need, you need a mission in your life. Right? You need a mission in your life. Right? This is, you know, if I could give, I think, two principles for people to thrive as young adults and and it, for old adults too, okay? How do we yeah. thrive in our walk with the Lord? Number one, we prioritize intimacy. And number two, we devote ourselves <clears throat> to a mission for his kingdom, right? I think both of those are really important. I think if you lose either one of those, you tend to really struggle. You've got to right, have for sure. some type of kingdom mission in your life. And that's that's our sense of calling, Right, where we feel like a calling to do something in the Lord, right? If we don't feel a sense of calling, then what happens is why do we need to why do we need to study? Why do we need to train? Why do we need to get anointing or get intimacy? Why do we need those things if there's no productive work to be had? There's no productive fruit to be gained from it. And so that aspect is is also just as important. And I, I feel like, you know, for you, for leaders like you, who you took it upon yourselves to help plant House of Prayer. And to be clear, um, there is another Long Beach House of Prayer. It's called Love Hop, right? Um, but you guys planted House of Prayer on the campus, right? And you did that with students for, for many years. And um, that is one type of mission. There's lots of different types of missions that people can have in their in their life. But the idea is my life is actually devoted to this, right? I'm devoting my life in this season to this mission in the Lord, whether it be, um, you know, ministering to homeless, like we had some students who really gave themselves to ministering to, to homeless people, right, in, in our city, um, right. whether it be, um, you know, ministry, like me and you are, are have been in ministry where we've got students to care for and build up, whether it be, um, you know, I don't know, there's like a million different types yeah. of missions that we can have, but you've got to have something. 
You've got to devote yourself to something. If you've got nothing, then in my in my experience, you're going to die, right? Spiritually, you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. I was um, in kind of my like uh, paragraph of what I kind of prepped to to talk about for like how I thrive in college. Like mm-hmm. um, the second thing was yeah, seeking first the kingdom, um, and um, and I purposely put that second, you know, to intimacy with God, right? And I think you talked about that, um, prioritizing intimacy first. Um, but I think right after, like right after is the kingdom, his kingdom. Um, yeah, and because, you know, we were made for this. Like yeah. this is, you know, God has, God has designed us individually with different gifts, you know, has given us grace for different gifts. Uh, different strengths, um, different resources, different groups of people that we're, we're placed in, even this region that we're in, you know, just, I, I believe God is so sovereign in that way, where he has specifically placed us in and um, given us so many gifts, so many talents. Um, and I, I feel like he wants to give even more, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's, it, it's, we are made for this. We are made to seek first the kingdom. Um, and you know, the great temptation, right, is, 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 you know, I don't want to seek the kingdom because I want to seek my own life. I want to seek my kingdom, right? My, um, my desires. And, um, and that's, that's one of the biggest traps for Christians. Um, and you know, I say this humbly, I'm, I'm only I'm not even 24 yet, but, um, and I know that the cares of life and uh, the deceitfulness of wealth, all of that, um, you know, just gets gets even heavier and more present as you age. But um, yeah, I, I think you know Jesus says to, to to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all yeah. things will be added. You know, yes. knowing that, like, knowing that, you know, um, I'm choosing to deny myself and to choose His mission to choose his kingdom, choose what he wants me to do. And, and God is a good father. And so he's going to, he sees that he sees, you know, a heart that's fully devoted and and sacrificed to him. And, and so in his love, yeah, he's going to take care of us and he's going to give us what we need. Um, And I think that's, but that, you know, we hear that a lot, Matthew 6, 33, but you know, it's just, it's hard for us to really have faith in that promise really have faith in like if i if i really give myself wholly to his purposes wholly to his kingdom like is he really going to take care of me mm-hmm. and you know i'll just say for myself like for the past five six years that i've been walking with the lord like mission has been a strong um a strong component of it and seeking first the kingdom has has been a strong value and i've that's, I would say like Matthew 6:33 is my life verse like it's 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 um it's what I live by you know and and I've seen him you know continuously be faithful and and providing what I need providing um, so many things that I wouldn't even expect but yeah. really keeping his kingdom first and yeah. and um, prioritizing that um, above my own life above my own desires above my own wants right yeah yeah. Absolutely, man. Um, <clears throat> I want to ask, for a lot of believers, I know they're just like, well, I don't know what God's calling me to do. 
I don't know. Like, you know, like I don't feel a calling or sense of burden or something like that. What, what, what should I do? How do I get mission? How do I get, how do I seek first the kingdom in my life? What would you, what would you say to that person? Yeah. Um, honestly, that's kind of a tough question, but I think, cause for me, I think there've always been opportunities that, you know, God has brought to me. Um, and I'm thankful for that. Um, and, you know, just pray through those opportunities, see if this is his will. Right. Um, but if you have like no idea, you know, I think I would say is really, um, yeah, is, is, you know, first ask God and, and, um, and just be open, yeah. just be open to whatever he, he burdens you with, whatever he, even if it's a, it's a tiny burden, a tiny inkling, um, well, conviction, you know, whether it's to, to, um, to be, to be uh, an example of, of holiness and righteousness towards your family, um, or you know, to your friends, uh, you know, just be open to to whatever he has, whatever he he puts on your heart, because I think that's also something that's also been something that I've um, just always coming back to over and over again, being open to whatever God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I have a bunch of ideas, like even if I have a bunch of things that I feel like might be it, just being open yeah. to whatever. Cause yeah, it's great. you know, our minds can totally like, you know, convince ourselves of other things and whatnot, but just really surrendering and saying, God, whether it's this or that, whatever, you know, if it's painful, if it's not like it's whatever, you know, just I'm open, I'm open to what you want me to do. Yeah. Um, and so just, I think approaching God and, and, and asking him with that kind of heart, um, I think is really key. And I think that's, that's just the heart that we should always have throughout our, throughout our walk, throughout our journey, um, yeah. and seeking first the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. I think, um, look, I would, I would encourage that Christian to go to prayer, start with prayer. And I, I do this all the yeah. time where I'm asking the Lord, father, send me, right? Send me, make me fruitful, right? Lord, where do you want me, right? Where, what's on your heart? I always tell people like, because a lot of the way that, you know, calling is taught these days is it's like, hey, what do you like to do? What do you gift? What do you feel like you're gifted in? What, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I always tell people, I think that that's actually the worst way to find your calling in God. I think it's the worst way, right? The best way to find your calling in God is to go, God, what do you want to see? What's your heart burdened for? What are your desires, God? What do you long for, right? Yeah. And you want to get burdened with God's burden, right? You want, like, look, and the scriptures tell us he has a heart for nations, right? He longs for the nations to be discipled. There's the things, there's so many aspects to discipling the nations, right? There's so many parts of that that you can find a part that fits you well, but getting that burden is 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 important right so crying out for the to the lord and then i just tell people look start if you've got nothing meaning you're doing nothing you just go sundays you know you go to church or something like that but you don't do anything else i'm like look you got to do something you got to start somewhere <laughs> right like hey if that's like just going to your pastor be like how is there some way that i can serve is there some way the the church needs help right can i help set up chairs like whatever it might be is there something that I can do to serve um, the kingdom, 
right? And to be clear, it doesn't have to be church, but church is, is not a bad place to start if you've got nothing, right? right. Um, and then start with little. Like the scripture says, if you're faithful with little, you'll be entrusted with more, right? Mm-hmm. So be a servant with whatever the needs are, you know, for the kingdom around you. And then as you get burdened with more of the Lord, then you can be more selective. And that, you know, that happens to a lot of um young leaders, they start to get invited into so many different opportunities, right? So that's, hey, can you do this? Or, hey, can you do that? This ministry will come. But, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? And the danger for a lot of young leaders, what starts to happen is you start to burn out because you say yes to everything, <laughs> right? You don't know how to say no yet, sure. right? And then, you know, you go through burn, you go, you get burned out, and then you go through a period of, like, you know, your relationship with God suffers, then hopefully you get back up, <laughs> you start running up their intimacy again with the Lord, because this is, this is a pattern I've seen over and over with people, right? Um, because what happens is when you start doing so much ministry stuff, usually what happens to young leaders is they start to neglect their quiet times with God, right? And when that happens, yeah, you, you, if, you, if you're pouring out more than you're getting in, you're going to burn out eventually, right? Mm-hmm. So people always ask, you know, how, what do I do about burnout? Well, that's, that's because you have this imbalance, right? What you need to do is you need to have your intake be greater than your output, spiritually speaking. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people say, oh, what I need to do is I just need to say I need to cut off all my commitments and just bounce out of everything. Right. And I always tell them, well, well I guess that's one way to do it. If you want to be fruitless in your life, right? <laughs> like, you yeah. can just say no to everything. Um, but no, the, the, the best answer is always, hey, try and increase your intake in the Lord. Right. And if you need to take a step back from something, right, I'm committed to like three, four different things. Okay. I need to take a step back. Then, yes, take a step back from something. But this is what we want to do is we want this to be up here and then this to be here. Right. Right. We want it to be something like that. And um, I just realized, you know, on audio, nobody's going to see any of those hand gestures. (laughs) And they're going to be like, what is he talking about right there? Let me me try and verbally explain this. So if you're, if you're, Intake with the Lord, meaning your intimacy with the Lord is at like 50% or something like that, then you can't be ministering at 70%. Okay, this is not perfect. It's better if you can visually see this. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. You've got to increase your intimacy with the Lord to 70% to pour out at 70%, something like that. Okay. And that's 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 the heart here, okay? But yeah, ideally we want to be have like great intake with the Lord, great intimacy with Him, great passion, great burden, all that kind of stuff, and we want to be working hard for the kingdom, right? Laboring right. for the kingdom, working yeah. hard, right? It, you get it, 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 when things get out of balance. If your intimacy as a, is at like ten percent and your labor's at seventy percent, you're headed for a burnout, okay? Yeah. You're 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 gonna burn out, and it's gonna be it's gonna be bad. Okay, whenever your intimacy starts to drop precipitously, you're gonna have a burnout or an exposure, or the Lord's gonna expose you or something like this, right? Because God doesn't want that. You're not doing effective ministry in that place. Okay, if yeah. your intimacy is super low and you're and you're doing all this work for the kingdom, let me just tell you lovingly, you're not doing effective ministry right now. Okay, you're not gonna be bearing fruit that lasts for eternity. All right. It's much better, in my opinion, to have your intimacy at 80% and only be doing 10% work. Okay. That's not ideal either, but that's better, right? Because then the, 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 the work that you're doing is still going to bear lasting fruit. It's going to be good, lasting fruit. And can I just say, you know, this is actually one of the core components of what's going on in the church right now, right? Where so many leaders allow their intimacy with the Lord to decrease. And because of that, 
they're doing this work for the kingdom and it's it's not bearing lasting fruit. It looks impressive. It might look like a large organization. It might look very professional. But the question is, are you training up disciples that are going to pass the tests of faith throughout their lives? Okay? And are you raising up disciples that not only going to pass the test, but they're going to raise up similar disciples? That's true long-term fruitfulness. Okay? And the only way you can do that is by having significant intimacy with the Lord yourself. Okay? So I say all of this to say, this is why I think the house of prayer is so important. I think it's so important, right? Um, I always, yeah. you know, I come from the Korean church. The Korean church has a tradition of doing morning prayer. I think morning prayer is the secret to the Korean church's success. Okay. Oh, it's, yeah. It is the secret to our success as a people because we have lots of problems. Let me tell you, if you're not Korean, okay, we got lots of problems in the Korean church. We got drama. We split all the time. Lots of bad stuff happening. But because there's this vibrant prayer culture, or there has been yeah. historically, it has still made us incredibly fruitful. And I say that because I think um, that, I would say that that um, anointing for morning prayer, we're called in this generation to have a double portion inheritance, a double portion yeah. inheritance. Our parents did morning prayer. I say that we're called to do morning and evening prayer, right? Like we're gonna, we are going to um, incorporate prophetic worship right, into prophetic intercession. We're going to take that anointing to the next level. And I got to say, look, if you don't get that heart for prayer, I'm, I'm just speaking right now prophetically as a Korean leader to Koreans right now, okay? If you don't get a, that love for prayer, it doesn't matter how impressive of a minister you become, okay? It doesn't matter that you become super successful as an engineer or a lawyer or whatever. None of those things matter all that much it matters a little bit but not that much okay mm -hmm. what really matters is that we get the heart for prayer that our forefathers had and to be clear the king i always say this prayer is not all of the kingdom the kingdom is more than prayer but prayer is essential you can't skip yeah. over prayer right you can't be like yeah. oh like I'm, I'm really good at all these other things i'm not good at prayer so i don't really do it i'm like well then you die <laughs> <laughs> then you yeah. die, right? You can't survive long term without prayer. You've got to have that in your, you know, in your arsenal. Okay, you've got to have that anointing. You've got to have that value and that discipline and that love for it, right? And I'm hopeful that God is raising up a prayer movement that is going to release such a general anointing and grace for intimacy in the body of Christ that that's gonna that's gonna enable so many more believers to bear lasting fruit in their lives. And so that's why I think yeah. this is a huge part of it, Justin. You've been devoted to this, you know, for many years now, right? You've been giving yourself to um, to prayer specifically, building house of prayer. And I just want to say this, um, for most people, I would say if you don't know how to seek the kingdom where you are, okay? You don't know how to seek the kingdom on your campus or at your workplace, I'm going to give a general recommendation. I recommend that you start, or at least you pray about starting, some sort of prayer meeting on on that location, right? At your campus, if there's not one that you can join, start one, all right? At your workplace, if there's no um, prayer meeting at your workplace, start a prayer meeting at your workplace, okay? That's a, you know, and we call it, you know, a house of prayer. Congratulations, your prayer meeting is now a house of prayer, all right? A house of prayer at its, is just a prayer meeting, right, at, in its infancy, okay? Start a house of prayer on your campus at your workplace. 
because now you're starting to to labor in prayer, seek the Lord's kingdom in prayer for your place of mission. Okay? And the prayer is really where you get the heart for it, you get the, yeah. the longing for it, and it fuels, prayer always fuels mission. You're going to lose your heart for mission if you lose your heart for prayer. Okay? That's so true. If you get, if you have, if you discipline your heart for prayer, the mission will come because you'll get, you'll be burdened for it. You'll be burdened to see people saved there. You'll be burdened for those things. But if you ignore, you neglect prayer, then the, then you won't have sustained vision for mission. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can I just uh, say something please. real quick on this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think sometimes we have this like view of prayer that it's like this, you know, thing between me and God and, and it just kind of helps me stay alive. But I think really like for any kind of ministry, prayer is essential. Like yeah. prayer is the, the backbone, like the backbone to, to ministry uh, without prayer and without like, because what prayer is 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 is, is a you it, it's an expression of your your under it's an expression of your need for God like you know your need for God to move on your behalf to move because I mean even like at this podcast like before we started you said like you know we could say a bunch of things such glorious things but if God doesn't move then then what's the point? then it's useless, then it, it bears no fruit. And, and, it, and, and oftentimes it, it gets out of, um, you know, out of alignment with his will when we're not in, in the place of prayer. And that's why we prayed before this podcast. And it's because it's, we need God to move on our behalf. And, and I think that's just the proper and healthy understanding of ministry and understanding of, of the kingdom and our role in the kingdom. Um, yeah. Yeah, so great. Yeah, giving ourselves to prayer and um, prioritizing that, um, yeah, you know, for us to thrive, but also for anything that, you know, God has called us to do, for that to thrive, for that to bear fruit. Like, we need to to plant ourselves in the place of prayer. It's great, man. Come on. Justin, the other really big thing I wanted to talk to you about was about media. So you told me, this was in a prayer meeting um, about a week ago, um, Two weeks ago? I can't remember. Two weeks ago, I think. Two weeks ago, you told me that the Lord um, had convicted your heart to do a media fast. And so, for um, since the beginning of 2021, that you've been fasting all secular media. I'd love for you to just talk about that. You know, what gave you that conviction, and what do you feel like that has done in your walk with the Lord? Yeah. Man, um, it's, it's kind of a long story, and I feel like it, it's just, it's only been like three months. Um, but... Yeah, I think um, so. It, it first started. Uh, I was at, at BTM retreat, and um, Pastor Sam was like, "You know, I feel like there sh- there needs to like some of us are called to fast." And I wasn't thinking of a fast, but I was like, "Okay." And this was right before the new year. And then, um, but I felt convicted to do a yeah secular media fast. And then um, it was only supposed to be for a month, um, so I did that January first, and then. Towards the end of January, um, the collegiate, the 40-day collegiate fast was starting, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "Oh, I'll I'll fast that too," because because what I noticed was that this fast there was just so much grace and so much so much coming out of it, 
and even just within a couple of weeks, like, man, I was, I was feeling like so clean. Like I felt my heart was just untainted by the world in a sense, like untainted by the, the impure things and like the, the secular things and worldly things. Like I, I wasn't consuming that anymore. Um, and, you know, I've done media fast before, uh, which is just kind of strange, but, you know, I feel like, I feel like there was a special grace on this, but also, you know, I was just, I've never followed a media fast like this well in this season that I've done in, in the past, in the past, like, you know, break it a couple times. And then towards the end, you just pretty much break it full on. <laughs> right. Like, um, but, but there was, there's just been so much grace even to this day, um, to, to keep doing it. And, um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, along with just feeling clean and just like my heart just felt like it was always tender, always soft before God, always soft before people. And, um, it was just so strange that like this, this one thing could affect so much, could affect my heart, could affect my walk with the Lord so much. Um, yeah. And then, you know, towards the end of the collegiate 40 day fast, you know, I was like, I don't want to go back. Like I actually said that, like, I actually thought that, like, I don't want to go back to secular media because I've seen just in like, like a month and a half, like how much fruit it's, 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 it's born. Like, I was like, wow, like such a simple thing. But, and so I felt the grace to continue. Um, yeah. And, and I've kind of just left it open, like indefinite, like there's no, I don't see an end to it. Um, I may never go back to it. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, it's just, I've, I've just noticed that my heart has been, it's been so much easier to focus on God when I'm spending time with him. Um, it's so much easier to even get into the presence or break into the presence. Um, yeah. Cause I just feel like, yeah, with, with media, just so much junk, so much junk that we're consuming. And, um, you know, and it wasn't just like, oh, I would sit there and do nothing with my time. Right. But I would, I would replace it with like Christian media or sermons or, um, even just worship music and just like, like being constant in worship, being constant in, in prayer, being constant in like just watching things that edified, edified me basically, instead of dulled me, instead of like, you know, make me focus on like some worldly passion or, you know, like, you know, see some impure things, right? Like I was just, I was just fixing my eyes on things that, you know, edified my walk, um, and and that that simple difference i feel like is just so was just so um significant for me and um it really taught me a lot in this these past three months yeah Yeah. it's great man yeah i think um look for me when i was in high school um you know i have old testament about this lord spoke to me about um you know i was a, a sophomore junior in high school i can't remember but the Lord spoke to me about um, not playing video games. At that time in my life, I, I wasn't used to hearing the voice of the Lord. So I was just sitting in service one day, and this thought came to me, hey, Dennis, do you think God wants you to play 
as many video games as you're playing. I used to be like so addicted to um, these online role playing games. Like this was like in the the late '90s, and this technology had just come out. So this was like mind blowing for me, right? Like I could play online and online role playing game, and I love video games. And um, this thought came to my mind, and I I got so scared. And I just tried to put it out of my mind, right? I don't want to think about that. <laughs> like I don't want to think about whether God wants me to do this or not. Um, but the thought kept coming back. It kept haunting me. And, um, and finally I started, um, to actually entertain the idea. Okay. Do you, do I really think God wants me to play video games like this? And I was just like, probably not, you know, he probably doesn't want me to. And, um, and I decided to make a decision. I said, Lord, um, I don't know for sure if this is you, but it might be you and I will give up video games for you. Right. And so I made, I made that decision. Um, I think it was my junior year in high school. And I'll just tell you, I think it's the best thing. I think it's maybe the best decision I ever made in my life. Okay. And for six years, um, you know, generally speaking, I did not play video games by myself. Right. The Lord gave me um, a, a permission to be able to play with somebody who's in the same room as me. So I could go out for fellowship. We'd go to like PC Bong, used to be big back then, you know. So we'd, you know, go and do that. But I didn't play any video games by myself um, for six years. And, um, you know, I have a, I have a testimony about this. Um, I still loved them right in my heart. I still, I always wanted to play it, but I was like, no, I'm doing this for the Lord. And I, my, my relationship with the Lord really took off, really thrived. Um, and my, my senior year, um, I was praying, this is my senior in college. Um, so six years later, um, I was praying and the Lord spoke to me and said, Dennis, you can play video games again. And I was like, that's the devil, right? That is the devil for sure. Right? Like, uh, no way. Um, but as I continued to pray, I felt like the thought kept coming back. And I felt like the Lord was saying, no, it's me. And it's okay. I'm, I'm giving you permission now, right? And I was like, wow. So I remember I, I ordered two games online. And forgive me, Justin, because I know you've heard this testimony probably like three times now. But I want to say this for okay. people who have never heard it on our podcast. Um, I ordered these two games and um, for the next like two three days, I just played these video games. Like I was like a starving man at a buffet, <laughs> right? Like just gorging myself, right? And um, and I felt so bad. I felt so bad because I I knew like this is not healthy. This is like I should be praying. I should be evangelizing. I should be even like studying. I should be doing like anything but this, right? And I'm just feeling so bad about myself. And I remember I'm, I'm, I'm still playing this game. And the Lord speaks to me in the moment. And he says, Dennis, do you know I want you to be happy? And I'm playing this game. And I just start to cry. I start to weep, right, playing this video game, right? And I remember I kept looking at my door because I was deathly afraid that my roommate would come home and see me playing this video game and, like, weeping and think I was, like, a total weirdo, you know? But I'm, like, weeping. And um, that entered me into a conversation with the Lord where I was like, Lord, honestly, no. I don't know that you want me to be happy. Like, you always want me to do the stuff I don't want to do, right? You, like, I don't want to pray all the time. Like, it's boring, right? And I don't want to evangelize. I hate getting rejected, right? Like, I freaking hate it, you know? Like, I don't want to do things, but you always want me to do the thing that I don't want to do, right? So, no, I don't know that you want me to be happy, and um, and I felt like he said, Dennis, I want you to be happy, 
but bring this part of your life into, you know, talk with me about it. I felt like this invitation from the Lord. And so I was like, okay, God, all right, you asked for it then. You asked for it, God. Right? So I started talking to the Lord about video games. <laughs> right? And I started to be like, all right, God, honestly, I would rather live in this world that Sony made, right, than live in the world that you made, right? Because the world that you made sucks, right? I have to work. I have to, like, get a job. I got to pay taxes, right? But the world that Sony made, I get to have, like, a purpose, right? I get to, like, fight against bad guys, right? And I know it's fake, all right? I know it's fake. But I'd rather live in this virtual world that's more compelling and fun to me than the world that you made. Right, so I've had this conversation with the Lord, and this is actually over the course of a couple of days. I felt like the Lord was inviting me into a prayer conversation with Him, and then after I don't remember exactly how many days it was, but I was praying. I had a vision, and in my vision, um, I saw the Lord playing chess. He looked like this really old, wise guy. I'm sure it wasn't a perfect depiction of the Lord, but I knew it was the Lord in the vision, right? And he was playing chess with this dark, shadowy figure, and um, and I knew it was the devil, something like that, right? And the game of chess that they were playing was really intricate, and it was really complex. It wasn't like normal chess. It was like three-dimensional, right? And I was watching it because I love these types of games. And I was watching it like so interested, but it was so complex that in my vision, I turn away, you know, and I'm, I'm like this actually little figure on the chessboard of this huge, like they're like giants, right? In the vision, I turn away and I start walking away. And right there, the Lord speaks to me. He says, Dennis, you live in the middle of the greatest war that's ever been fought. But because you can't see it and you don't understand it, you don't know how to engage in it. He said, I promise you, if you trust me, I'll teach you how to fight in this battle. Okay? So that was in 2004 that I had that vision and the Lord gave me that word. And um, you know what happened? At, in that experience, the Lord broke off the addiction to video games in my life. Right, and he said, "If I if I trusted him, he promised that he would show me how to fight." Because what I realized is, I was I was I was longing for a real war. That's why I love those games. I don't like sports games. I don't like driving games. I don't like any of those games. Okay, the only games I like is ones where I can kill people. All right, bad guys. Right, demons, orcs, whatever. Right, like I like those kind of games. Right, and that's because it it pulls at something inside of me that longs to be part of an epic struggle, an epic battle. You know, I almost went to a military academy for college, um, and I, I was really thought about going into the military. But, you know, as I thought about it, I'm like, dude, I don't want to kill, like, Iraqis. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to kill, like, th- those aren't the evil, they're not bad guys, you know? Like, I don't want to kill them. Like, but there's something about the military that really speaks to my passion. Like, I want to do it, but there's no fulfillment for it. And the Lord was showing me that these video games, these things... They are, they're counterfeits. They're counterfeits. They take the godly passion that we're given and they offer a cheap counterfeit, right? And what he was inviting me was to seek the real thing. Seek the real thing. Seek to understand the nature of this spiritual war that we live in, right? Learn how to fight in it in a real way. And the Lord has shown me that this this spiritual war, it's not like a war, right? We're literally in a war. It's just in the spiritual dimension, it's in another right. dimension, and that's why you can only access it. You can only see it and perceive it through faith. Okay, a lot of people think faith is just blind belief. Okay, I just trust that there's this war going on. That's not really what the scripture means by faith. Okay, faith starts with trusting His word, but faith, a mature faith, is the actual ability to perceive 
into the spirit yeah. realm, right? And to understand what's going on there and to see it and to feel it and those types of things. But to make a long story short, I've held on to that conviction, you know, for 15, 16 years now or whatever. And um, that everything he's told me has been true. I feel now much more like I understand the nature of the spiritual war. I understand how to fight in it to some degree, right? I feel a sense of burden and passion for it, right? I feel conviction for it. Now, that being said, I still like video games, okay? I still like them, all right? But the power of the, the addiction of it was was broken off of my life, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, what I you know tell young people is, look, the enemy is offering counterfeits because he's trying to take you out of the war. He's trying to take you out of the spiritual spiritual war. You have the potential to be a great warrior in this battle. Okay, you have a, the potential to live. You know, Paul speaks to you know um, several of his church. He says this in Ephesians and in Philippians. I believe he says, "I beg you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received." Right? Yeah. It's the same idea. You have the potential for this great calling in God, but many are called, but few are chosen. It's hard. Okay, it's hard to live in your calling, to be commissioned into your calling. It's very difficult. A lot of people think that's about salvation. I don't think that that scripture is about salvation. It We have this calling in God, but it's so difficult. And I just got to tell young people, the number one thing that is destroying your calling, okay, and this is for Christians I'm speaking about, is secular media. In my experience, okay, I, I don't want to say it's the number one thing, because there are other things too, okay, but I just see this for so many young people. That secular media is the thing that is killing their ability to live in holiness, is killing their ability to get real anointing, right? To prioritize the time, you know, and get the vision that they need to understand, you know, the the nature of the spiritual war that we're in, to live for the kingdom. It's killing them. They don't realize it, okay? Now, to be clear, it's not a sin to play a video game or to watch a movie or something like that. These things are not sins, okay? Um, but the idea is they don't they don't lead us into greater holiness. They lead us away from holiness a lot of times. They are filled with secular values, with worldly values, right? Mm-hmm. And those worldly values are being preached to us through the media, okay? It really does inf- influence our spirits. And so I just, I just warn young people. I say, hey, look, if you can overcome this thing, all right, if you can overcome this thing, it will bring so much breakthrough in your life, in the Lord. It will bring so much breakthrough in your life. And for me, even for myself, look, I've had a lot of experience in dealing with this. I still occasionally call media fasts, okay? Right now, I'm actually doing the same thing right now where I'm not playing games unless it's with another person, okay? I have that, I'm doing that type of a fast right now in my life. I fast these things regularly. Whenever I sense that anything is getting hold of my heart, in a way that I don't like, I, I will fast it for a while, okay? Yeah. I would encourage young people to strongly consider fasting. If you know, if there's something in your life that you're afraid that God is asking from you, that's a good sign, okay? That you should probably fast that thing, right? Yeah. If you're like, if I'm afraid that God might ask for it, try and fast it, okay? The rule of thumb, because what that means is that it has a hold on your heart, okay? Mm-hmm. And you've got to you've got to starve that desire, right? Paul talks about our spirit desires, our spirit man and our flesh man, right? Our carnal desires and our spirit desires. You have to starve the desires of the flesh, and they grow weaker if you starve them. And then you feed your spiritual desires through holy activity like prayer, right? Like scripture study, like these types of things, and those desires grow stronger. 
Okay, a lot of people are like, I just don't feel it. I just don't like want to do the things of the kingdom. Well, that's because you're carnal. You, you've been feeding your flesh too much. You've got to starve that thing through fasting, and then you'll have desire, right? If you if you do spiritual things, you will have desire and longing for the things of the kingdom, right? And that's what we all want, right? As Christians, we all want to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates, right? But that's how you do it. That's why fasting is so powerful and so important in this generation. And Justin, yeah. it's, it's really encouraging, man, to hear you know, like your fast and there's grace on it. Like all of us have had fast that we've had no grace on. It's just like torture, <laughs> right? But when you have a fast where there's real grace on it and you feel power to be able to do it and um, it's it's so life-giving, it's so great. I just want to encourage, you know, the people, ask the Lord, right? God, give me a grace to fast this, right? Start to ask yeah. him and try and make a decision. You know, and look, everybody's at different places. So if you're just like, hey, I don't think I can do a 40-day fast. I don't think I can do like a six-year fast like you did. Like, I don't think I can do this thing. Well, hey, start off with like a couple days, a week, right? Start, like, do what you can, but start somewhere. If you feel the prick of conviction on this, right? Mm-hmm. Have, a, have a vision to overcome. God's calling forth great leaders. This is, sorry, Justin, I'm, I'm speaking so much, but I feel burdened, man. This is great. Like, um, I just feel this burden to call people to have a holy ambition in God. And this is something that I I, I, I have learned in my life. I used to think that what we were called to do is crucify our ambition, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I, I want to be great. I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I've just got to crucify that desire. I've got to kill it off, all right? And the thing is, that's half, that is true, That, but that's only half of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, these desires are actually from the Lord, the desire for glory is from the Lord. The desire to be rich is from the Lord. And it sounds funny, you know, if you don't understand what I'm talking about. But it's true. These things are from the Lord. You can't crucify them because they're part of your nature. You've been designed to crave these things. Scripture doesn't say not to seek these things. It says to seek the real version of these things, not the worldly counterfeit. That's the difference. Okay? We're not to seek after worldly fame, worldly money, worldly glory. Okay, we're to seek after heavenly glory, heavenly money, okay, heavenly rewards, all right? That's why we talk a good amount about heavenly rewards, you know, in this podcast, because it actually is so important to get an ambition for these things, right? You want a godly ambition, not a selfish ambition, right, that values the things of this world. See, the godly ambition, the way you become great in God is you become the servant of all, right? Is you suffer persecution for the name of Christ, that's the ambition that you want raging in your heart. You want a godly ambition to be great in God by his standards, right? By his measurements, by his criteria. And yeah. that's having that type of vision is what enables you to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him, right? That's Philippians 2 or 3, right? I can't remember which chapter, right? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, right? Therefore, he was given the name above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, right? This idea of because Christ, he showed us the way, right? He humbled himself even to death on a cross. And because of that, he was given the name above every name. It works the same way with us. If we will suffer with him, then we will share in his life. It works. It's always a correlation between these things. We've got to have the vision for the glory in the age to come. That's what gives us the ability to despise the honors and the riches and the privileges of this world. 
These things are trash because they last for only one short lifetime. All right? At right. most, you're going to be rich and famous for 70 years. That is the blink of an eye compared to eternity. Right? So, Justin, yeah. that's why I say for you, brother, look, by a lot of people's measurements, you are a college failure, bro. Okay? Man, you could have, like, gone to grad school at Harvard or become a great, I don't know, an engineer. I don't know. You Like, we all, we all know what dreams are out there. Okay? But instead... You know, hopefully you still did well in your studies. I'm not saying you should have failed them on purpose or anything. But you yeah. gave yourself to seeking the kingdom primarily first and to prioritizing intimacy during college. And when I look at you, I see somebody who is an incredible success, right? And I, I'd say that I, I truly am, am so proud of you and many other young adults and students um, that have done similar things in their lives. And I just want to, I just feel myself like I just want to cheer you on, bro. I want to root you on. Like you're doing so good. Keep going, man. Let's go after God with everything. Let's pour out our lives unto death if God would give us the honor. And then we will party forever in the age to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. And, And that's something that else that I really value from, from our time together, PD, that you always, um, you always like pointed our eyes on the heavenly perspective because you know we live and we grow up in just what we see right here right mm-hmm. and it, it's convincing and it's so tempting to just follow the way follow the way of what everyone else is doing you know mm-hmm. um but you know everyone else doesn't have a picture of of eternity doesn't have a picture of what god sees as yeah, what God deems as successful, what God deems as good and faithful, right? What 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 God wants to reward, what God wants to, you know, honor. And yeah, and I've just I've just continued to just reorient my life on the kingdom and because like yeah, I don't I I I want to get to heaven. I want to meet Jesus and I want to hear those words that I was good and faithful. And that I can now enter into the joy of the Lord. Like like all those years that he saw me, you know, giving myself to the kingdom, you know, and like and 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 following him, right? Even when it's hard, even when it's I'm denying myself, right, that 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 it's all worth it in the end. It's all worth it to enter into the joy of the Lord. Like his joy over me and my joy of being his and 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 that, you know, like I could be like Paul, like where I could genuinely say like i gave it all you know i ran the race um and and now it's now it's it's yeah i don't even know i I don't even have words because i don't know what it's going to be like exactly but you know like i love that enter into the joy of the lord and so come on yeah that's Um, great man justin before i let you go is there any other advice any encouragement that you would give to young adults in your place like what would you say is like just a parting message to them? Um, I think I would say, you know, kind of what you touched on. Uh, and this is what I was going to share. It's just in, you know, in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, Paul says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this, this relates to that, you know, the secular media. Um, but this relates to a lot of things too. Um, and 
you know, not necessarily sin, right? Not necessarily evil, but like there are so many things that are going to be like not beneficial, not constructive to your walk with the Lord, to your to your faithfulness to Jesus, to your love for God. But, you know, it's 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 there's so many things. And I think secular media is one of the biggest things. Um and that, yeah, like you said, if you can overcome it, right? If you can overcome the addiction, the pool, the stronghold it has, like, yeah, there is so much breakthrough. And I and I'm I, I can testify, you know, there's so much breakthrough in just in just three months, right? Um yeah, and it yeah, just giving yourself to God and and not not you know settling for these other things that that maybe other people are doing right maybe even your own community is doing but but like having your eyes fixed on on him and 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 just every weight every hindrance every sin that entangles right like you know you know put your put your effort and and do your best to 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 throw those things off to get those off of your off of your life off of your heart right um and run the race and, and keep your eyes on jesus keep your eyes on the prize in a sense and he is the prize right um but yeah i mean um yeah i think just just lay aside every weight lay every lay lay aside every hindrance um yeah because it's it's not worth it it's not worth it to to have cheap entertainment, to have easy entertainment, to, to, to entertain and please your flesh for a moment. Um, and, and then, you know, let your heart, let your burden, let your conviction die, right? Um, it's not worth it. And so I guess that's kind of what I want to share. Um, it's great. the last thing, yeah. It's great, man. Well, Justin, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate you. Super proud of you, bro. Yeah. Thank you, PD. Appreciate it.